The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 172. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position looks wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Panel Z! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, Planet of the Dead, one of the 10th Doctor specials. And joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, if you can do me a favor, if you could, please, as soon as you can, as soon as this podcast is over, uh, at your convenience, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and write a review of the podcast. Uh, a five-star review would be great. <laughs> that helps us get the podcast out among uh, more people who would be interested in a Doctor Who podcast. When they, when you write a review, it, it gooses the algorithm and gets the, 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 the information out in front of more and more people. So we really do appreciate that. And of course, we love the feedback that you give and uh, the nice things that, that most of you say. We really do appreciate all of those things. So if you could do that and to share the podcast with your friends, uh, your, your Doctor Who uh, watching friends, and uh, share with them the, the joy that it is our discussions. And we're going to have a great discussion today because we're discussing this the 10th Doctor story, like I said, called Planet of the Dead. It was one of those specials that aired in 2009 when, uh, after the fourth season ended, but before they got to the regeneration uh, of the Tenth Doctor, they had these widely spaced episodes. And this one aired on April 11th, 2009, on Easter. And in fact, was the first and only Easter special of Doctor Who. Uh, and, of course, it's uh, an Easter fact, special that has absolutely nothing to do with Easter other than just being aired on Easter, and they mentioned well, Easter at one point. Yes, uh, the Doctor does mention in the episode that it is it is Easter Sunday, uh, and we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, uh, so, and, and he has Easter candy with him. So, <laughs> yes. Otherwise, there's there's no Easter bunny and and etc. Uh, we we uh, it is also the 200th episode of Doctor Who. Now, I, I 200th could, story. 200th story, that's, sorry, yes, uh, episodes are sometimes a little, uh, are split up among more than one, um, uh, stories split more than one episode. 200th story overall, or just knew who? Uh, 200th story overall. Okay, right. so that's a, that's a pretty good run, then, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, given how long it's been on there, although I would have thought that number would be higher. Well, there's it, still... It's much higher if you count episodes. Yeah. Right. And it's still, there's still that that gap there from uh, 1989 to 2005. Right, right. And and even before that, it wasn't always continuous, like like mm -hmm. it is like like we have with now. 
but still, I, I, for some reason, I just felt like it would be more than that. But I, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, well, when, given that we're on episode 172. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and classic classic Who, of course, as, as we alluded to, there will only be like four or five stories in a season. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think of the second Doctor of the War games, which was 10 episodes, one story. Right. So that, that sucked up a lot of the space right there. Uh, so, and then they, it, another interesting thing about this episode is the first episode that was air filmed and broadcast in high def. Did you, did you notice the, a difference in the quality uh, <laughs> as, in your watching of the stream at all? Uh, uh, since, I, I, since I watched off a DVD rip, it all looked the same anyways, but. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, very, um, it's interesting. And, and, and in fact, I'm, I'm glad, you know, to see that we're, we're starting to get into the era of higher quality because sometimes it was a little hard to watch some of the older older uh new who uh, qu- uh quality wise but, so, so this episode begins with mission impossible breaking in on our franchise i, I literally con- wrote that conducting a daring raid <laughs> mission yeah. impossible yeah. Catherine zeta jones and indiana jones all wrapped up into one yeah well yeah. lara croft I, I was gonna say tomb raider is a, a little bit of that in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're in a museum, and a woman Mission Impossible's her way down from the ceiling and grabs a cup that we later learn is from the year 924, and it was the, a gift for the coronation of King Athelstan of England from the uh, neighboring King of Wales. But we don't know any of that at this time. It's just a fancy cup that she's stealing. And she... And- she steals mm-hmm. it Indiana Jones style. I don't know if you noticed that with the yep. flipping oh, yeah. one she on and off. A, she switches it out with a little waving, one of those East Asian waving golden kitty thing statues. Right. Um, but it, it's unmistakable. If you've seen the 1990s Mission Impossible, that's exactly what's inspired this. And at this point in the 2000s, that's been done so many times. It's a little trite or shop worn the only good i mean we've seen the people dangling from ropes around security things to steal stuff before now Mm -hmm. and it's hard to think of anything new to do with that the best i've seen was in the very brief late 90s series the lone gunman that was a spinoff of the x-files where they parodied it Ah. if you're going to parody mission impossible antics fine but just reduplicating them for us on TV is not exciting. This is part of one of my, I guess, uh, I've talked about it before, but it's one of my least favorite things on TV. Car chases, action sequences, gun battles, sex scenes, all of those mean nothing much is going to happen in the plot right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, actually, there's a new show that came out last year called Blood and Treasure, uh, which is fairly... I'm gonna say it's not, it's not the highest quality production. Uh, it is filmed in in on location in Rome in Italy, which is really nice, and and Morocco, and so that's kind of nice. But one of the things they do is they they consciously recognize how much they're going to be compared to Indiana Jones, and actually make reference to that in the episode. Mm-hmm. So at one point they're in Venice, and they they're running through Venice chasing bad guys, and they run by that church that is the Crusader Church in uh, Holy Grail. And mm. the guy stops, looks, and then you hear the faint strains of the Indiana Jones theme, 
and he kind of smiles and then runs on. So a little bit of a <laughs> recognition there. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm good with homages, but this is yeah. But as you well, said, this, this is a little this, shop this was almost a, it wasn't even Mission Impossible. I don't know. There was actually a movie by Catherine Zeta Jones and Sean Connery called Entrapment. Oh yeah, and this was yes. almost a direct rip from that. Right, there's a scene right, where right, Catherine right. Zeta Jones is dropping from the ceiling to steal something, and et cetera, et cetera. It, we at least yeah. we didn't have her going through the uh, sleekly going through the lasers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and so I probably already signaled a bit of my attitude towards this episode. This is the least interesting of all the David Tennant specials. Right. Agreed. And part of what makes it least interesting is it's got this action lady in it who we later learn her name is Lady Christina D'Souza, and she's got long, dark hair and she and a, and a tight leather outfit, and she looks like a cross between Amanda Pays and that lady from Torchwood. <laughs> right. But she's meant to be like this super aristocratic, jewel thief type criminal kind of like the pink lara panther in well, the original pink panther series she's totally a ripoff of lara croft i mean the tomb raider yeah, yeah but she's she's also meant to be the one-off assistant or one-off companion for the doctor in this episode and she's the least interesting of all of the one-off companions she's less interesting than astrid peth she's less interesting than donna noble She's less interesting than Jackson Lake. She's less interesting than Adelaide Brooke. She's less interesting <laughs> than Wilfred Mott. She's less interesting than Craig Owens. And she's less interesting than Nardole. Yeah. But they try to build her up as this, as if she's this super wicked, awesome, almost equal to the Doctor companion. I, and, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree just because I, okay. I kind of thought she was interesting. I thought there was oh. there was aspects to to her, to the fact that she was the equal to the doctor in some ways like so often they have a rose or a donna who is sort of not as worldly wise not as knowledgeable and and or even um astrid path and some others who who don't quite measure up to the doctor whereas uh, this one could have we only get the one episode but she could have been much more of a equal in the knowledge of the world of cleverness and that sort of stuff than we ever had with any of the other companions I, I guess she she was i felt i kind of almost lean more towards jimmy of i felt like she was an unintentional parody of super doctor we've been having during the david Tennant era where he's you know the, the self-confident swaggering you know was it victorious yeah. time lord that kind of personality but that's, doesn't she kind of okay that's part of part of why I don't like her is she's it's not that I don't mind someone who is an equal to the doctor or roughly equal to the doctor. I love the second doctor's companion, Zoe, who would show him up on occasion and had she's from the future. So she has extensive knowledge of science and stuff. I like that. What I don't like is people bragging about their abilities, which is what she's doing. We, we don't get a lot. We don't get her just being super competent. We get her talking about how super competent she is, and and we it's it's a trait I've seen referred to elsewhere as informed attributes, where rather than showing us a character's attributes, they feel the need to use dialogue to inform us about how super cool this is and we're the best team ever and stuff like that. I suppose. I mean, I, th- I think I saw some of her doing some of that. I think she is a not is quite a as she is not quite as. She is a not quite as good as River Song, 
Like River Song is is really what Lady Christina could have been sure. realized. Agreed. River River is much more complex, much more interesting, cl- more clever in the dialogue, you know, all that sort of stuff where the, where Lady Christina wasn't quite any of those things. But and I, I but think I think the obvious comparison like Jimmy's saying is a lot of times River Song would just do it and then make some smart right. aleck comment versus talking about how great she is and then do it. Right. There were a couple moments where I felt I found her kind of annoying in her in her oh, attitude sure. here. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, so she, we see her personality. They kind of show us her personality right off the bat. You know, her accomplice gets uh, captured while she's escaping from the museum, and she just abandons him. So we we establish her sort of mercenary personality. You know, me first. Um, and then she climbs aboard a, a bus in her escape. You know, one of the, uh, one of the London double decker buses. Uh, to during her escape from the cops, um, she doesn't have an oyster card, which, which is the which is the commuter card that pays for Contact, all the, mass the little tap card. You know, a lot yeah. of there's some commuter services here in the states have similar where you just tap it and go right. And uh, she and and she doesn't even really know what one is, you know, which establishing that she's a out of touch aristocrat, um, and then bribes the dr- driver with her diamond earrings to let her on. Again, you know, just it's it's sort of establishing. She's a bit out of touch. She's an aristocrat. She's mercenary, etc. Uh, and then we have the doctor who boards the bus at the last second as well, and ends up uh, using his psychic paper as his oyster card to get on board. Uh, and so um, we have uh, the bus is the two hundred bus because it's the two hundredth episode. So there's a little oh. Easter egg there because uh, it's Easter. Um, and then the doctor sitting sits next to Christina. And babbles on about not often being able to be there on Easter because he can't ever find it because it changes dates all the time. Because it's a movable feast. We feel your pain, Doctor. Those of us who are Mm -hmm. priests trying to figure out now, when is Easter this year? When is Ash (laughs) Wednesday? Yeah. Yes. And he he does say, though, of course, I remember the original. Yes. And then, which is a nice touch, but then they've they've got to mess it up because he then says, between you and me, what really happened? And he gets cut off. Right. Implying that something happened at the real Easter that isn't what people think. Right. It's like, and just leave the real Easter alone, okay? Yeah, you're treading on some thin ice there, uh, Russell T. Davies. You've got to be ca- careful there. Which is why uh, they cut it off at exactly there without trying to be stu- really stupid and try to say something. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, the BBC uh, said, uh, let's trim that a bit. <laughs> no sense getting people all upset. No, nah, they, they, uh, they do what they're They're just trying to be edgy. Yes. Because uh, that's what Doctor Who needs, and so <laughs> he's interrupted by his gizmo beeping, um, and hands her his chocolate bunny that he's been eating because it's Easter, uh, and tells her he's tracking rhodium particles, which is or rhodium or rhodium. I forget. I, I wrote rhodium. I, I, the uh, plant, the uh, Tardis wiki says rhodium. I, I don't. I thought it sounded like rhodium, but yeah, uh, probably probably the fake thing as opposed to the real thing. Yeah. Um, the the bus is chased into a, a tunnel by the police, and a woman on the bus, we later find her, her name is Carmen, she starts hearing voices, and the bus is then transported through some sort of dimensional rift, we find out like some sort of wormhole, to a desert planet where it is heavily damaged. Uh, interesting note, they filmed the desert scenes in Dubai, mm-hmm. uh, on location. They shipped the bus to Dubai. And it was damaged in transit, and so they incorporated that damage into the script. 
So all that mm-hmm. damage you saw on it? It was supposed to be pristine instead of had the top crushed and everything. Yeah, yeah. The top of it is all it looks all crunched and destroyed. But in reality but in reality it wasn't supposed to be, but they just made it that way, you know. It was a rough ride through the wormhole. So I thought that was uh, an interesting hmm. bit there. Nice the, recovery. And then uh yeah. Also on the desert planet, we see a screen, we don't know where, and an alien is chittering and pointing at the screen watching the boss. Yes. And the lady, Carmen, says the voices are the dead and they're surrounding us. Yep. And the doctor goes outside and tastes the sand and immediately has a bad reaction to it. It's something, it's, it has a... Something's wrong about the taste of this sand, but he won't tell anybody what it is. He knows, yeah. Yeah. Also, the passengers on the bus, because the doctor had a weird mechanical device just before they went through the wormhole, they start to blame the doctor for maybe he's the one that brought us here. And the doctor says, humans on buses, always blaming me. And that's a <laughs> that's a, a hanging the lantern for the fact we've been in this situation with the doctor on a bus trapped with people very recently that was the episode midnight yep and so right. they're that's their way of hanging a lantern on the fact we've just seen this story recently the problem is midnight is one of the best stories ever and this ain't so <laughs> exactly. it doesn't hold up in comparison well in fact it's it's almost too much like midnight you know that same sort of story not only is midnight a better plot but the the characters we get to know on the bus in midnight are much more vividly vividly drawn than these people. Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to I was going to say like you, know, you talk about Carmen, she's literally the stereotypical in every movie Jamaican sensitive woman where she's sensitive right. to something beyond and she's just an absolute stereotype of it. Yeah, that's true. We're told that she um she has uh, her husband said, who's with her on the bus says that she she um has a sixth sense, she could see the future. Um, no, she, they have not hit the million dollar lottery, but she hits for $10 twice a week, every week. You know, that's, that's sort of a low grade psychic, I guess. But, uh, you know, so she's, um, you know, she knows something brought She's got low grade psychic abilities and and that's cool and useful for us. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the other people on the bus, there's this one other fellow that, uh, people viewing this now might recognize, might say, who is that guy? So there's a, a, a young black man named Barkley, who's played by the actor Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but you may recognize him from the Black Mirror episode 15 Million Demerits, as mm. well as mm. uh, the movie Black Panther, where he played Wakabi, he's the, uh, the Black Panther's friend who sort of betrays him, spoilers, and <laughs> from the very popular horror movie Get Out, where he was the main character. So he's, his career eventually takes off after this <laughs> Doctor Who uh, episode. But I just thought it was, I'm like, again, another one of those, where have I seen that guy? He's very distinctive uh, appearance. Um, I do like also the fact that the Doctor sonics some glasses that he has on him to turn them into dark yep. sunglasses. So we have the sonic yeah. sunglasses show up. But not quite sonic sunglasses. Not quite. <laughs> but it's a first appearance. <laughs> Almost. Uh, the, the Doctor has realized that they've, they came through a door. And that there's a there's a doorway there, and the bus an driver. Invi- it, the, there's an invisible wormhole behind the bus, right? And so it, he throws some sand through it, and the wormhole temporarily becomes visible, right? And so the the bus driver decides, okay, let's go back. And the doctor hardly tries to stop him. I know it's a flaw <laughs> in the direction. The doctor mm-hmm. 
tries to stop him, but he's like too slow and apathetic. And the reason for that is so that the guy makes it to the wormhole and gets fried and yeah. becomes a skeleton and the skeleton falls through. Right. Yeah, it was, it was really that like, that, like please, yeah. wait, please don't go. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't evolve yeah. any more energy than that. I'm fine. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it you know, with then we get that scene of the bones falling through uh, back in London, you know, it, and so we have the stakes are really high at this point. Um, and, so, and so the message is for the plot is humans unshielded cannot go through the wormhole. They have to get back in the bus, the and the bus, bus has to go shield them. But the bus is now non-functional and stuck in the sand. Right. We have a five-ton bus stuck in the sand. The engine doesn't run. It's full of sand. The tires are sunk in. Uh, they try to put stuff under the tires. That's not working. The bus can't and, start. So, And oh, by the way, there's a s- storm, quote unquote, coming. And there's a storm coming. Yeah. The storm with metal flashing in it. Yeah. Yeah. And and they, they and this was so frustrating because they, they keep trying to start the bus and they run it out of gas. Right. Now, really, you could, I mean, unless that thing was running on fumes already you would not run it out of gas trying to start it a few times but it's like don't try repeatedly to start it wait (laughs) till you're ready and try to start it then yeah more more accurately what would have happened is you probably would have killed the battery before you would have ran it out of fuel right yeah or they punctured the tank coming through i mean give me a line of dialogue that explains it (laughs) not look at this wet spot in the fuel yeah look at this wet spot in the sand what's that oh that's diesel yes so in a in a bit of a turnaround, the doctor usually would take control and command of things, but Lady Christina takes command and she appoints herself the leader uh, and starts assigning jobs to people. And uh, uh, and it, and she's not a really great leader. I mean, she's got him back on the bus, and she's and we have a cut in time, and she's suddenly explaining point five of her rule right. system, <laughs> and and so we've missed rules one through four, and she then gets up to I think seven. Before we before the doctor interrupts her and calls off this nonsense, but her opening act as leader is to start reading a bunch of rules to people. <laughs> right, yeah, right. That and then uh, when they want to dig out the wheels, they're like, "Oh, we don't have shovels." She pulls out a shovel and an axe from her backpack, which she happened to have in there because that's useful for well, that, when that, you're that backpack's breaking about like into the museum. doctor's coat. It's bigger on the inside than on the outside. <laughs> yes, she has a TARDIS backpack. Uh, the doctor goes for a walk and takes Christina with him. They have some banter. She knows there's more to him than meets the eye. She's a match for him in many ways. He oh, says, yeah. She says, let's just say we're two equal mysteries. <laughs> right. Saying, no, not buying it. <laughs> nope. Well, and then he says, LNZ, and she responds in French with the uh, a, a French equivalent of yes, but not if we're headed into a nightmare. So, like, so he, oh, you speak French. You know, she's very uh, cosmopolitan. Uh, and this is when they see the storm coming on the horizon literally and figuratively uh the doctor uh, meanwhile calls unit back in london on uh barclay's phone and talks to the unit scientific advisor on site dr malcolm taylor who's a big doctor fanboy who also sort of presages- has fanboy freak out in a huge way which yeah, is unattractive right. well he's sort of presages who's the uh the osgood osgood right he's sort of a again another one of those fa- uh, cases where Russell T. Davies writes writes this sort of character, but it's Stephen Moffat who ends up doing a much better job with the same character type. So River Song yeah. and Osgood, um, and frankly the Masters. Osgood was likable. Malcolm was just annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mal- I, I, yeah. I never looked up where I've seen Malcolm before, but I've seen that guy 
basically playing the same character somewhere else. Uh, he, it, he's he's like Jerry Lewis as the <laughs> as the absent-minded professor or something. He's this right. comic overbroad character. You almost expect him to have artificial teeth, you know, <laughs> to give him an overbite. Right, right. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a sort of absent-minded professor type. Uh, Malcolm does say, I like this part, he does say, I've read all your files, and the doctor goes, oh, what's your favorite? The giant robot? Which is the fourth doctor's <laughs> first adventure. One of the least favorite. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we get lots of talk about measuring the wormhole, lots of uh, pseudoscientific babble. Yeah. Um, so the wormhole is expanding its diameter, and it's now like four miles wide. It's going to, and they've banned flights over London lest a plane go through it. Right. And I mean, you know, just imagine the time flight that that could involve. Uh, little, <laughs> yeah. little little joke there for people who've, to another one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who ever. It's eventually right. going to become 10 miles wide, and so it's obviously becoming a threat to London. So here's the problem. It's not just four miles high, it's four miles wide. So they banned flights. How do they keep people from walking or driving mm. through it? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's vertically oriented to the surface of the earth, but still, if it's four miles wide, you've got to yeah. establish a four mile long cordon around that thing. Now, right. the only, only thing is, I believe it's in a, in a tunnel under the river. So that's mm. the only thing you can yeah. think of is that it's not actually on land. But then why isn't there water going through? Maybe water evaporates as but, it goes through it. Who knows? Right. Or the, yeah. but, but then you wouldn't have planes flying through. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. They hadn't thought it through. So the, the creature that, that we saw, the, the, uh, the hand, the alien hand before, it shows up. It's a humanoid fly. Who just takes, like out of the movie, the, the ni- original 1960s movie, The Fly. Exactly. The 50s movie. Yeah. Takes like, them that's prisoner. Vincent Price with a fly head on. <laughs> right. Or Jeff Goldblum. Uh, so the, and the uh, the doctor speaks their language to them since the TARDIS isn't around to translate. So at least they got that bit, you know, right uh, there. The doctor convinces them they're in the same predicament. He fixes their ship, uh, launches one of their probes to go check out the storm, and he also finds out that they're on the other side of the universe from Earth. So that we we have some establishing where we are on this planet. The entire planet, including the hundred billion people who were living on it, was must have been a crowded planet have all been turned into sand by these uh, these flying metallic stingray sharks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the best way I can describe what they look like. Yeah, they are, look like manta rays or stingrays. Yeah, but they have big shark, uh, teeth full of mouth, and they're, they're, they have a metallic outer shell, and they're flying as a giant storm around the planet, co- to- directly toward the bus and the wormhole. Um, essentially, there's there's some sort of natural phenomenon where they... They they come through a wormhole to a planet, consume it entirely, and then um, turn it into sand. Turn it into sand, and then fly around the planet uh, Superman style until it creates a wormhole that they then fly through to the next planet. Yeah, that's how their life cycle works. Right, they are a, a, a essentially a natural phenomenon. Apparently, they have to get the MacGuffin, uh, some alien engine crystal thingamabob that's in the alien engine that they're going to use to get the bus going again. And so now Lady Christina has to mission impossible that crystal to get it. Now, what, what the thing I like was that the doctor goes, Oh, you have, you know, communications headpieces here in the engine room. Let's use these to stay in touch. And I'm thinking those insect heads don't look like they fit those things that fit human ears. Yeah. They just, just like, happen to have human sized earbuds on a spaceship <laughs> that doesn't have any humans whatsoever. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you think we noticed that? What did you there, uh, Russell T. Davies? Uh, but yet she she has to you know pull out the uh, Chekhov's uh, flying rig to descend into the gravity well. They call it a gravity well. That's that's not what that's a gravity not, well is. That's not what a gravity well is. It's just <laughs> it's, this is just a pit. It's it's a, it's a big hole. You know, it's yeah. a hole in the in the ship. It's a tube. Yes. that goes down. Um, and then it uh, took turns out that the creatures from uh, that are that consume the planet made the ship crash in the first place uh and one of them is down at the bottom of that shaft and and, and knocked out and then chases lady christina up the shaft and uh, and then it turns out there are others in the ship too and right. so the fly people get eaten and we see the fly captain get eaten and then the uh, uh, i guess the fly first officer pulls a gun on one of these stingrays and yep. the doctor says no for why? Why? And then the <laughs> yeah. stingray eats him too. Yep. yep. And then and then the doctor says, have with the two fly people who they were just going to take back to the bus and take mm-hmm. him to London, right? Which would have been the far more interesting choice dramatically. Yes. Yeah. Now that they've had two of the fly people get eaten, oh, and they're called tritivores, by the way. I'm yep. not sure what trito means in this context. I mean, vor suggests something you eat, yeah, or something that eats. Trito, it, the, I mean, the Latin root could mean like chopped or minced, so like eaters of chopped or minced stuff. Although they really, to switch into Greek, they really tell us what these things are as coprophages. Right. Hmm. As the doctor puts it, they eat what people leave behind from their behind. <laughs> right. Right. They are flies after all. Yes. Well, I, I wonder if they, if they took it from detritus, you know, again, meaning. Oh, detritus. 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 That could work. Yeah. Right. But they uh, apparently there we we don't apparently they abandoned the whole fly people crew, which was more than just two, and we're to assume they all get eaten. The doctor says we can't do anything more, and they run back to the bus. Yes, and then they have to meld the alien technology to the bus to make it fly. Somehow it makes we're supposed to just wave a hand and make it make have it make sense that it's going to make the bus fly because you know this this bus which that's that's an older double decker bus that's not even yeah. like a newer one and <laughs> right. it's it's so high tech that you know he needs to wire it in or something so four pieces attached to each wheel and then one attaches to the steering wheel and now we have complete uh, three axis control of the of the of the bus to fly uh but he needs some gold in order to meld it to the thing conveniently uh lady christina has this priceless goblet from king athelstan in her bag and so he hammers the heck out of it destroying the priceless artifact in order to save themselves and uh they they lift off of course just in time because as you know we have to have the got to got to be the last second and we actually see they they hang there in the sky for so long letting us marvel at the fact the bus is flying as if we right. haven't seen a flying bus before yeah <laughs> right. that the, they give the stingrays a chance to catch up right and meanwhile the unit commander is got a gun captain magumbo is ordering malcolm the the scientific advisor to close the wormhole now before the doctor can come through to save the earth and she threatens him with a gun she sticks a gun in his face to to order him and he's he's refusing. Uh, right. This was something the doctor had set up with him was you need to as soon as we're through with the bus you need to close the wormhole after us. And so he's refusing to do that and the doctor finally drives the bus through the wormhole. Right. And instead of immediately saying to Malcolm over the phone, "Shut the wormhole now." 
Yeah. They decide to go for a joyride in the sky and let us marvel <laughs> some more at this flying bus as if we've never seen a flying bus I, before. It's I get Peter a feeling, Pan. I get the feeling at this point they uh they had forty five minutes worth of story, as painful as the forty five minutes was, and we're told no, we need an hour. <laughs> right. Right. Cause because we get we there's still uh, some some stuff they they throw at us here uh as we go. Uh the, so they Three more, three of the alien creatures managed to get through the wormhole before uh, before um, they close it. Uh, Malcolm finally, finally closes it. I I have gotten to the point now where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. They're going to close it. However, it looks like it, as as long as it takes them to close it, they will get it closed. Everything will be fine, and they'll kill the whatever comes through. I don't need to be all angsty about. It. Are they going to do it? Of course, they're going to do it. They got to give us a little Jerry Lewis slapstick comedy in in the right. science van yep. with Malcolm trying to close it and not succeeding in starting fires and, and stuff. And, and unit wastes, you know, like a pallet worth of ammo shooting at these things before. Oh, the bullets <laughs> won't affect it, but the anti tank launchers will. Right. Yeah. The 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 unit commander is like, I don't believe it. Guns don't work. It's like, how long have you been with unit? <laughs> right. <laughs> Remember those Centaurans where the bullets didn't work? Yeah. So and the doctor uses as, as the as the brigadier. He you know how many times did he say just once? I would like an enemy that bullets will stop. <laughs> yeah. The the doctor skids the bus in the air to 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 kill one of the metallic creatures, um, and uh, and they eventually kill them all. Land the bus. Uh, Lady Christina gets immediately arrested. The doctor suggests that uh, the two young men, Nathan and Barkley. Uh, should be given jobs with unit. I'm I'm not trying to take the job with unit because those guys seem to get killed a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were both out of jobs. Basically, <laughs> yeah. they established. Yes. The, so, so the yeah. doctor's trying to hey, they were good in a crisis. You might want to recruit them, see if they're interested. That's some good networking there. Uh, mm-hmm. The TARDIS has been brought to the scene. It was found in the gardens at Buckingham Palace. Uh, we're told, and uh, we have this interesting scene where Christina. Wants to go travel with the doctor. She, oh, we we make a great team. You said so yourself. And he flat out refuses. I mean, she outlines all the reasons why she'd be a great companion, but he's like, nope, I don't do companions anymore. Very yeah. coldly, uh, to to say. So very. Uh, you never I, have I the, found the brooding time lord. Yeah, the brooding time lord here, where he's brooding about all the people he's lost or how they've changed, et cetera, et cetera. At least he was civil with Unit this time, unlike it, that one story. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's a sure sign that it's time for the doctor to regenerate when he's refusing to take on companions again. Yep. So uh, then we have Carmen, the the psychic lady. Uh, as she's leaving, she tells the doctor, "Your song is ending. Something is returning in the dark, and he will knock." It for- is. It is returning. It is returning. Yeah, it's returning in the dark, and uh, and he will knock four times, which is all references to the regeneration episodes and. Uh, the master and uh, and how the doctor's regeneration will occur. Uh, and of course, so, the, and the song is ending comes from the Ood, you know, how they yeah, told mm-hmm. the doctor his song is ending. Yes. And it is it is returning as a reference to Gallifrey, we find out. And the one who knocks four times, even though they're going to fake us out a bunch, is going to be Wilfred Mott. Right. Um, and then as a final uh, bit of this story. The doctor does help Lady Christina escape from custody from the the cops, and she steals yeah. the flying he, bus, he, which Unit seems to have no problem with. Yeah, 
he 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 like sonics her handcuffs so her handcuffs spring off just as she's getting in one side of the back seat of a police car and she just rolls through and hops out the other side and it's like you know there's a reason the back seats in police cars don't have interior handles right <laughs> just so that it's doesn't to prevent happen. that <laughs> exactly right. yeah yeah that wouldn't be unless he sonic the door open too um but I just was like, you know, the, all the unit guys are kind of just standing around watching her jump on the bus and take off with it. I'm like, does Not anyone else business. have any problem with the civilian stealing all this alien tech? Maybe. But, you know, yeah. uh, reasons. They get orders. So the police officer who arrested Lady Christina, though, is like really mad at the doctor. And the doctor says, I'll just step inside that police box and arrest myself, which you actually could do back in the day with yep. police boxes. You could arrest someone and put them in the police box until the police could get there. That was one of their purposes. That was actually one of the purposes of police boxes was a, kind of a storage place until they could haul them off to the main jail. Oh, that's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> and the, and the, the Scotland Yard guy doesn't think it twice about there's a police box sitting in the middle of the road over there that, okay. Yep. Uh, so then that's where the episode ends. Uh, you know, this little romp through the desert, uh, which, you know, a high... This this was not a cheap episode for them to produce. This is a, mm. you know, they did location shooting in Dubai. I mean, this was a big, a pretty big deal. Two hundredth episode, and and I get what you know, guys are saying. I mean, I I don't think this was the greatest episode either. Um, not the worst either, but no, it does feel like you know, as the two hundredth story, kind of meh, meh an exactly. Easter special. Yeah, it wasn't all the Water to Mars. It will be a much better story than this yes. one. Yes. And The Last Doctor was a much better story than this one. Right, right. This one, in comparison, is not as good. Yeah. Okay, so anything left to say about this, uh, Father Corey? Just one quick thing. Um, at the As the, the, the bus is landing, everybody's sitting there applauding, and all I could think of was the Reddit meme where someone will they'll tell a story, and of course they come out the hero of the story, and everybody stands and applauds, which of course <laughs> yeah. is always a sign that it's a fake story. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a, a few little notes. There's a nice bit where when Lady Christina realizes the doctor is a time lord and thus an alien, she says, you look human. And the doctor looks at her and says, you look time lord. <laughs> that was nice. I liked that. <laughs> the I don't recall if we mentioned it, but the voices that Carmen kept hearing were the dead from the planet, which is called San Helios, which would mean holy sun in a kind of Latin Greek fusion language. Mm-hmm. The there's a nice moment where the doctor is talking to the fly captain as he's saying, let's all go back to the bus now. And and because the the creatures are going to be attacking his ship. So the doctor's saying, let's go back to the bus. And the fly captain chitters something. And the doctor says, don't be so daft. A captain can leave his ship if there's a bus standing by. (laughs) (laughs) So the fly people apparently have the captain goes down with his ship ethic. Yep. There was a question that I had in my notes that they actually addressed at the end of the episode, which is, even if they close this wormhole, why can't the creatures just make a new one? And the doctor, once they get back to Earth, tells the unit commander, of course, they will just make a new wormhole, but I'm going to try to nudge it to uninhabited planets. So that's why they're not just going to come through to Earth at a later time. And then lastly, this is something that Russell T. Davies would not have had in mind at the time because the war doctor had not yet been invented. And apparently Russell T. Davies didn't take the recent regeneration 
fake out where it's like, I'm regenerating, but then I'm still David Tennant. Didn't apparently didn't take that as a real regeneration. But Stephen Moffat did take that as a real regeneration. And then because Christopher Eccleston wouldn't come back for the 50th anniversary especially, he had to invent the war doctor to fill his place. And uh-huh. that meant that Matt Smith's regeneration is the 13th or final life of the doctor. And that means, in hindsight, based on those later retcons, that when David Tennant's doctor is told your song is ending, that means you're about to regenerate for the last time. You're going into your last life. And so that was hanging over Matt Smith's doctor the entire time, even though the writers didn't know it at the time. In, In hindsight, based on retroactive continuity or retconning, Matt Smith knows he's the last of the doctors. Okay, okay. Interesting. Um another little bit I was while you while you were um mentioned that I, I I did take a second to look up the actor who plays Malcolm, uh Lee mm-hmm. Evans, who's a stand-up comedian. This is the last acting gig he did in oh. in, in 2009. Mm-hmm. He retired in 2014 from he was a, known for stand-up, but he retired from entertainment in 2014. If you remember him, you might remember him from Fifth Element. He was in Fifth Element. I think that's where I remember him from. Uh, he played a, a minor character there named Fog. Uh, so just a... The, uh, but, the, uh, the, another uh, thing I just thought of, um, I, I kind of got a kick out of, they had the, the aliens had tel- telepathy, telepathic uh, translators, but it wasn't a right. two-way like the TARDIS's. Yeah. It was just <laughs> for them to understand the Doctor and, and Lady right. Christine. So we don't have to hear the Doctor chittering. The whole episode. Yeah. Which is <laughs> convenient. So The Fifth Element, a whole movie about Boron, who would imagine? Yeah, I mean, it was it was not at all Boron <laughs> oh. uh, to watch. Uh, <laughs> it's basically Die Hard in Space. And so, yeah. uh, as we wrap up, <laughs> a bunch of Bruce Willis fans' heads exploded. We, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who including John S., Wojciech D., Rebecca S., Gabe S., and James S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of Planet of the Dead? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who, or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or by an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the, uh, I forget which Doctor it is we're on, but the Remembrance of the Daleks? I forgot to write down that's which one Seventh that Doctor. Seventh Doctor, that's right, because we just did the Sixth Doctor. So Seventh Doctor story, Remembrance of the Daleks. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and... (laughs) And (laughs) once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you're called the Doctor? That's not a name, that's a psychological condition. Right. This is going to be fun. And that was a terrible line. Like, what does that even mean?